0: What I want to look at this morning with you, we're we're taking a a break away from the book of Galatians. This is our fair ministry week, and I hope that all of you will participate in in giving the gospel out at the fair. And what I want us to look at this morning, and what, what got my mind working on this is, after church today, I'll go to the airport, fly to Atlanta, we're going to go up north somewhere in Georgia, I'm speaking at a youth camp. And the theme of youth camp is, I know. And so it's all about apologetic stuff, defending the faith. What do we believe? And so I'll be speaking eight times this week on those subjects. And so that was really on my mind, on my heart for this week. And as we're heading into the fair ministry and with myself giving the gospel at Helen's funeral and then Chad at his grandmother's funeral, these things have been on my heart and my mind. How do you think about the Bible and about the gospel and about your place in it. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So the title of my message today is How to Think. Now, how many of you know that there are people that don't think right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, this guy out in uh, Colorado in the theater, obviously, there was something wrong in his thinking. And I do want to make a comment about this. Um, Of course, the, the attack is on gun owners now. And the implication is that because we want to because the second amendment says that we have the right to keep and bear arms that that's why this happened. Do you know why it happened? Because the people in the theater weren't allowed to have protection. All we needed was one person who was armed. He would stand there and reload And keep shooting people because there was not one person there able to defend themselves. I'll tell you who's responsible for that. Not the crazy man. The people who are keeping sane people from being able to protect themselves. We need to shout that. You know, people are afraid of how Mitt Romney is going to handle this now because, you know, the anti-gun people, because he is pro-Second Amendment, the anti-gun people will really... You know how he should handle it? He should stand up and say what I just said. If sane people were able to defend themselves, this wouldn't happen. And here's the thing that's amazing. There were police officers in the area and they couldn't help because they were not inside that room. We can't count on the police to protect us, folks. It's no one else's responsibility to protect my family. It's my responsibility to protect my family. What are we talking about? How to think. We're talking about how to think. Um, But obviously there was something wrong in that young man's, thinking. And it's just, a, it's just a, a horrible thing. Of course, we don't have any inside information, but all the, all the signs lead to this as a deeply disturbed individual. Amen? Amen? Well, deeply disturbed individuals still hurt people. And our government in many places has said, that's all right. Trust us. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And they were alone and so 12 people are dead, 50 some people hurt. You know, Virginia Tech, if someone was allowed to have a weapon on that campus, someone could have protected those young people. Folks, we need to learn how to think. Our country's going off the rails. We need to know how to think. Religion is going off the rails. We need to know how to think. You know, you watch television, almost never a clear presentation of the gospel. People will say, I believe in Jesus, or you need to trust Jesus. You need to have faith in what? In what? So we need to know how to think. Turn to your Bibles. Did we already look at that Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5? How to think. Number one, have confidence in the Bible. Number one, have confidence in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Notice what it says. When you understand that every word of God is pure, then you can trust Him. If you don't believe the Bible, you cannot trust Him. So, how to think? How to think? Number one, have confidence in the Bible. You can trust it completely. It's perfect. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It is supernatural. It is so powerful. Believe in it. Have confidence in it, um, you know, I think back to just there in, in the in the Colorado situation, that theater shooting, if there had been you know if Dave had been there, it wouldn't have happened. why? Because he would be confident on how to handle that situation, right You would have known exactly what to do, is that right, Dave immediately immediately. Why? Because he's trained. He's confident in his weapons. Um, He took me out on the shooting range and was showing me all these different kinds of things. And his ability to move and handle that weapon, it's, it's just really impressive. Josh, it's pretty cool watching your dad do that, isn't it? I mean, it's... It's awesome, and then then I do it, and I don't do it nearly as well, and he can take and train me and say, no, if you do it this way, it'll help you. And then you see an immediate improvement in it. There's a confidence that comes from that. If someone came into my home now, I have confidence that I could defend my home. Why? Because of what Dave and Josh have taught me on how to handle a gun. How many of you think that's important? Seriously, how many of you think that that's important? How much more important is it for us to know how to handle our sword? to have confidence in this ability. And I wonder, I know, I've, I've seen a we, we, uh, shoot, you know, two different uh, concealed carry classes, and you got 60 or 70 people lined up <laughs> shooting all at the same time. It's crazy, man. It was unbelievable. But watching some of you, you're, you're very confident in a handgun. And I'm thankful for that. If you're a guest here, yes, we're crazy. We are that fringe. We are those people. Don't worry. That is us. (laughs) We are clinging to our God and guns. Yes, we are. Now, look, I wonder how many of us are as confident with this as we are with a weapon. We're as confident with this as we are with the tools of our trade. You know, I remember working with my dad. Um, he'd say, hand me a three-eighths wrench. And I'd be digging around for it. And he'd just walk over there and grab it. He didn't have to read it. He could just look at it and know what it was. You all know what I'm talking about? That was my dad. He could, he could do that. He was confident with his tools. This is our tool. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. This is our tool. Are you confident with it? Uh, Luke 4, four We're not going to take the time to turn there. You can write it down if you'd want. The Bible says, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's how we live. It's our life. We need to have confidence in this book that it is relevant, it's valid, it's powerful for every situation in life. Uh, I was listening to the radio last night and... Uh, a man had on the, this psychologist, Keith Abelow. And he was saying, what would you say to the families of the victims? And the things that he had to say were helpful, but they weren't the things we could say. You see, we have to understand that our tools, our weapon is better than theirs. We have to have confidence that this book genuinely does have the answers for every situation in life. We have to believe that. How to think? Have confidence in the Word of God. Have confidence in the Bible. Have confidence in it as it is written. We don't have to change it. It it means what it says. Have confidence in it as it's written. And then have confidence in it as it's translated. If you have a King James Bible in your hands, you are holding the very Word of God. It is an accurate translation of the preserved Scriptures. You can trust it. You don't have to have a degree in biblical languages to understand your Bible. It doesn't matter who teaches you. You will not understand the original languages as well as the guys who translated this book. There are guys that had... One of them had Latin and he had... I'm sorry, Hebrew mastered when he was six years old. That's crazy. But remember, when the Bible was translated, the greatest minds in the world weren't building iPods or sending people to the moon. They were translating the Bible. They were translating the Bible. All right. So, have confidence in the Bible as it is written and as it's translated. Then number two, have confidence in the Holy Spirit. Look at at, uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16. You can probably tell I'm a little distracted today. But um, how many of you remember the Manson killings? Do you remember what it did to our country? How it it just captured the consciousness of our country because it was such a heinous crime. I think there were three people killed. Four? More than that? How many were killed? Six? Okay. There were six people killed. Which is horrible, right? but it it captured the national consciousness for years and years next week people won 't even be talking about Colorado. the world 's changed folks it 's becoming a very dark it 's become a very uh, evil place where life is really becoming devalued really devalued it 's a very interesting dynamic. How many of you remember when uh, the um, the terrorists killed was it the 1972 olympics in munich that that changed the world everything changed there if that happened now it would just be another instance of terrorism it it would not even make the history books folks it wouldn't the world is de- it's devolving very quickly evolution's great isn't it It's devolving very quickly. And we have to understand the Bible told us that this would happen. The Bible says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Bible says that that men will lose natural affection. And that's where we are. What is natural affection? Just the care for life, the care for people, the value of life that Christianity has brought to the world. It's going away. Why? Because Christianity is going away. Christ isn't going away, but the emphasis on the Word of God, confidence in it, resting in it, trusting it, knowing it, teaching it, believing it, living it, having it impact your lives. People are so distracted by so many other things that are going on in the world. We have to understand the world that we're in and our only answer, the only way that we're going to keep our families and protect our families in this world of all these competing ideas is confidence in the Word of God. Now that puts a big weight on us. Sometimes we as parents say, I can't know everything that's going on in the world. I can't know every biblical answer for everything that's going on. You can't? Look at John chapter 16. And look at what it says in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Can you imagine Jesus Christ saying, it's going to be good for you. I'm going to go, but it's better for you. It's better for you. Laura says that when she leaves, you know, go to the mall. It's going to be better for you if I leave here. (laughs) But Jesus is saying that, and it just sounds so strange to us as we read it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So what Jesus is saying is there are things that would not happen unless he ascended to his Father and the Holy Spirit came. And when he has come... He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reveals to us that there is evil in the world. Is that right? And we can recognize that. But here's the problem. The world does not recognize so many of the things that are going on As evil, because they're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit at all. At all. So look at what it says. He will convince the world of sin because they believe not on me. So what is the primary sin of the world? Unbelief in Jesus Christ. Right? And then of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. There's no longer a standard of righteousness. There's no perfect person in the world. So how are we going to understand what sin is? Well, the Holy Spirit will reveal that to us. How many of you have been in a situation and the Holy Spirit just starts convicting you? You know what? I need to get out of here. This is a bad deal. I shouldn't be looking at this. I shouldn't be listening to this. I shouldn't be watching this. I shouldn't be participating in this. Right? That's what the Holy Spirit does in you. That's His role. And then of the world. Man, this world is already judged and it is heading toward that destruction. Is there anyone who doubts that? That the world is heading toward destruction? financially, politically, spiritually. It's heading toward destruction, right? So what are we going to do? Verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Why? Because He hadn't died, risen from the dead, and they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. So they weren't ready to hear it yet. But look at what it says. How be it? Verse 13, When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. What is the Holy Spirit going to do for you? He's going to guide you into all truth. Say, Pastor, he was talking to the disciples here. This is for the disciples. Well, it was. And remember, they didn't have the written word of God yet, so... The Holy Spirit was going to help them remember everything that Jesus had said to them, was going to teach them how to establish the church and set things in order in the churches and bring the gospel to the world. All that was going to happen. But that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us also. You need to have confidence in the Holy Spirit in your life that the Holy Spirit will teach you the Word of God. I I speak in so many different places, so many different times. I can't remember if I told you this recently. If I have, forgive me. I was at Purdue University when I was in college, in college ministry. And um, giving the gospel, and I started giving the gospel to one guy in a dorm, and you know what a dorm is like. Pretty soon there's six or eight guys in the dorm. And I'm speaking to them all, giving them the gospel and how we're all sinners. And this guy said that, uh, well, Jesus doesn't know what I'm thinking. And that verse just popped into my mind, just coincidentally that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, see, now as a pastor, I've used that verse many times and quoted it many times. But at that point in my life, I don't know if I had ever used that verse at all. What happened? As I was ministering the Word of God to someone, the Holy Spirit brought that information to my mind. What is that? That's the power of the Word of God and confidence in it to challenge that young man. And then the confidence in the Holy Spirit of God that I don't have to have the whole Bible memorized. Now, how many of you understand you should memorize Scripture? But I don't have to have the whole Bible memorized for the Holy Spirit to be able to use the Word of God in my life as I am ministering to someone else. God will do that. How many of you would say, there have been times when the Holy Spirit has brought Scripture to my mind at just the right time? Amen. We've got to have confidence in that. Believe in that. Have boldness. That's one of the main things the disciples prayed for in the book of Acts is boldness to communicate the Word of God. We've got to have that. Number one, have confidence in the Bible as it's written as it's translated. Number two, have confidence in the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you and you can trust Him. Then number three, have confidence in the Bible's ability. Have confidence in the Bible's ability. Uh, look with me at... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Josh Givens they're on vacation this week, but he was telling me that uh, he had a pit bull. I think it was a pit bull that was coming after him one time and he had to shoot it. And uh, it didn't stop. I think he had a 9mm. Is that right, Josh? He had a 9mm when he tried to shoot that, I think. And it didn't stop it. So he no longer had confidence in the stopping power of that weapon. So he now carries a 40 or a 45, something that has more power, more stopping power. Why? Because in his position as a police officer, he needs to have confidence in that weapon. Amen? You've got to have confidence in that. Do you have confidence in the ability of your sword... Do you have confidence in it? Look at what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. Probably verse 12 for the context. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have to be confident in the ability of the Word of God to give us the wisdom that we need for whatever battle we're in. got to have confidence in that. That is, as a born-again man, I have confidence that my wisdom is greater than that of the lost man to whom I'm speaking. In the area of truth, we have wisdom that they cannot understand they can't understand it look with me at 1st uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 for this cause also thank we god without ceasing because when you received the word of god which you heard of us You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. We need to have confidence in the Bible's ability. As we believe it, it works effectually in us, it has an effect, it changes us. Confidence, confidence in the Bible's ability. Then, number four. So number one, have confidence in the Bible. Number two, have confidence in the Holy Spirit. Number three, have confidence in the Bible's ability. And number four, have confidence in your ability, your ability to know the truth. Have confidence in your ability to know the truth. John eight thirty two says this very clearly. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what Jesus Christ said. You have confidence in your ability to know the truth. You can have answers. We don't need to walk, walk as if we don't have direction. We can have confidence in our ability to know the truth. Then have confidence in your ability to believe the truth. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 1. See if this describes our age. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now, what Spirit is that that speaketh? What is it? The Holy Spirit. We know that because it's capitalized, right? Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, false spirits, and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, with a hot iron, I had a. When I was a kid, we had a man. His name was uh, Ralph Inman, or Ralph Hinman. He was a pastor near us in Syracuse. And when he was a boy, he had fallen against a potbelly stove, and it had seared all the nerve endings in his hands. So he had this these thick calluses on his hands, and he couldn't feel. So he was a he was a pastor, but there in New York and upstate New York, all the pastors had to have jobs to help. support them financially, so he was a plumber. So he came to our house or our church, I can't remember which, to help my dad do some plumbing. And so he would solder this joint, and then he'd just wipe it off with his hand. You imagine that? What had happened? His hands were seared with a hot iron, had no feeling. So these people who are deceived by seducing spirits, i got to tell you this, guys, you'll like this. He had been a professional wrestler when he was young. And how many of you remember Gorgeous George? He, he wrestled against Gorgeous George and all these guys. He was a professional wrestler. And so he'd show me these wrestling moves and stuff, and, you know, basically kill me, you know. but Show me those things. Inman was my favorite guy. He was awesome. He could touch hot stuff with his hands, and he could fight. That, that was just cool when I was a kid. So that's why I always remember Ralph Inman. But this idea of... um. Having your conscience seared. Think about that man, hands on the potbelly stove, now no feeling. That's the conscience of these people. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. They can't discern right and wrong. That's what Satan has done by imbibing doctrines of devils. And look at how those doctrines of devils manifest themselves. Look at what the Bible says. Speaking lies, verse 2, in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry... And commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So here are two things that are emblematic of those who speak lies and hypocrisy. Forbid to marry until you can't eat meat. Isn't that interesting? So in our culture we've seen that. There's a religion that's taken over the world. The priests don't marry. Don't eat meat on Fridays. All those things that go on. And then, of course, any vegetarian. Don't eat meat. You're not supposed to eat meat. It's bad for you. That's that's a doctrine of devils. So I'm a meatitarian. Right? We're supposed to eat meat. God gave us meat to eat. It's good for us. Amen. What is it? Uh, I'm an animal lover. They look good on my plate next to my mashed potatoes. Right? What's the other one? My kids have all these. They tell them to me. The one is, uh, if God didn't want us to hunt animals, he would have made broccoli more fun to shoot at. <laughs> I like that one, too. That's, that's funny. Um, And then if we're not supposed to eat animals, why are they made out of meat, right? But it's clear in the Bible that God says it's fine for us to eat meat. Is that correct? So doctrines of devils, seducing spirits. But look at verse 3 again. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You can be confident. You can be confident in your eating, You can be confident. It's okay to get married. Uh, Marriage is honorable. It's a good thing. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Amen. Amen. Have confidence in your ability to know the truth and believe the truth. doesn't matter what the seducing spirits of the age are. If we believe the truth, they will not influence us. And then... Have confidence in your ability to discern the truth. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse 14. You know what? Let's look at verse 11. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be understood, seeing you're dull of hearing. That is so funny. How I many you teachers? How many of you have ever said that? Man, we're supposed to be moving on to the next chapter, but you guys are so dull, we've got to repeat this. Right? That's exactly what he's saying. Verse 12, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. There's that meat word again. Isn't that interesting? Now, this is this is great. Chad saved for two years and is preaching the gospel. There are people in this room that saved for 40 years and have never given anybody the, the gospel. Never done that. So in the time when you ought to be teachers, you're having to be taught again the first principles of the oracles of God. That's, that's exactly what's being said in the text. Now look at what it says. Your milk and not strong meat, verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe... But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So scripturally, we understand scripturally. We're exercising our senses through the Word of God and we're able to look at the culture and discern right from wrong. Discern right doctrine from wrong doctrine. Right behavior from wrong behavior. It's just amazing how much clearer thinking a biblical person is, than one who doesn't have the Bible. Crazy the stuff that comes out. Uh, Chad was telling me about somebody that he knows who was upset because their synod had uh, voted to say that homosexuality is still wrong in the church. This guy's mad about that. But this guy disciplines his children because disobedience is wrong. So homosexuality is right. Disobeying mom and dad is wrong. How many of you think that guy needs a lesson in discernment? Amen. What's wrong? He's rejected the word of God. Rejected the authority of the scriptures. And it causes you to be foolish. All right? Then have confidence in your ability to know the truth, to believe the truth, to discern the truth, and then to remember the truth. Look at John 14:26. How many of you would say that you don't have a good memory? Any of you? I can't remember whether I do or not. I read this great book on improving your memory. It was called, let's see, um, it was good. All right, John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Do you know the Holy Spirit? The debt for the disciples wants to do that for you too. Amen. Have confidence in your ability to remember the Word of God. All right, so how to think. Have confidence in the Bible, have confidence in the Holy Spirit, have confidence in the Bible's ability, and have confidence in your ability to know the truth, believe the truth, discern the truth, and remember the truth. All right, so it's a simple application. What are we going to take home from this? Number one, just believe the Bible. Just believe the Bible. Number two, when you read it, look at the words and phrases. Compare those words and phrases, and God will teach you what He means in the Bible. You can understand the Bible by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Then mark cross-references in your Bible. We talked about that a lot in the Sunday School Hour. Mark cross-references. That will help you to understand it because the Bible defines itself. Then number five, take note of whose mail you're reading. Take note of whose mail you're reading. As an example, go to the book of James. I want you to see something. James chapter 1 and verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. So who's the book of James written to? Any of you part of the twelve tribes scattered abroad? No. No. And I know what happens. People say, well, spiritually we am. we are, we am. <laughs> spiritually we are. We're grafted into the vine, but that's not what it says. Those of you who are spiritually of the 12 tribes are scattered abroad. Amen? So who's this written to? Jewish believers that are scattered all over the world. That's who it's written to. Does that mean there's nothing in there for us? of course there's stuff in there for us. But it's primarily written to those Jews who are scattered abroad, those 12 tribes scattered abroad. And if you understand that as you read this book, you understand it better. So whose mail are you reading? Whose mail are you reading? Um, So take note of that. Then remember to distinguish between Israel and the church. We are not Israel. We're the church. 1 Corinthians 10.32 says, uh, Give no offense to the Jews, the Gentiles, or the church of God. There's three different groups in the Bible, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Church of God. You need to understand who's being referenced. We are no longer just Gentiles. When we're saved, we become a part of the Church of God. If a Jew gets saved right now, they're no longer a Jew or a Gentile. They are part of the Church of God. There's no difference between Jews and Gentiles in the Church of God. So for us in this age, all the truth all the truth for the Church is for everybody, regardless of their race, creed. It doesn't matter. It's all for them. Amen? But when you read the Old Testament, that might have been for the Jews. might have been something specifically for the Gentiles. So understand the distinction between Israel and the church and that the church did not replace Israel. God's going to come back and bring His, His nation back to Himself. Then when you learn something, hang it on something you already know. Tie it to something you already know. No floating ideas. So when I learn something about eternal security, I tie that to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Tie that, that. That's eternal security, isn't it? Everlasting life. Tie it to something you know. That's the idea. Then when you learn something, say it to someone else. You don't really know something until you say it to someone else. I do this to Laura all the time. I learn something and I've got to go and read it to her. And sometimes her eyes just cross. That's great. That's great you know cuz i'm right in the middle of this big study and there's this paragraph that applies to what i'm i'm learning and it's really awesome to me makes zero sense to anybody else in the room but what does that speaking do it it helps me when i say it then something happens in my mind i remember it better by telling it to someone else and you don't really know something until you tell it to someone else um then that always makes me think of the difference between jeopardy and wheel of fortune all right Jeopardy, you know, they introduce the people. This is Bob. He is a nuclear physicist, and he names stars in his day in his uh, spare time. Then you go to Wheel of Fortune. This is Susie. She's fascinated by bright and shiny objects. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Need to know some stuff. <laughs> then number nine. Obey the truth you learn, and God will give you more truth. doesn't matter how much you learn if you're not obedient to it. The Bible says, and, and Brother Nicholson quoted this verse to me this morning. Where are you, Brother Nicholson? Did you move? Oh, he's out, out back. It's James 4. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. So the more you learn, the more requirement there is in your life. But the blessing that comes from obeying is just awesome. So how to think? Have confidence in the Bible. Have confidence in the Holy Spirit. Have confidence in the Bible's ability and then have a confidence in your ability to know the truth, believe the truth, discern the truth, and remember the truth. Amen. Let's go out to the fair and give the gospel to someone believing that we can do it, that we know the truth, that the Holy Spirit can help us and that it will be effective in their lives. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word.